0: is Science Moab, a radio show exploring the science and learning about the scientists from southeast Utah and the Colorado Plateau. I'm Christina, and on today's show we talk about heat in the desert and the dangers that come with it. It's a good show recorded for you in Moab, Utah. Stay tuned.
1: Perceptions are understood to impact behaviors. There's a lot of behavioral models out there that look at why people might take a specific action. And in every model there, there's this idea that perceptions will play a role.
0: Today on Science Moab, we're speaking with Kirsten Goldstein. Kirsten is a graduate student at Utah State University in climate adaptation science. There, she studies how people perceive the risk of heat to their health. We talk about how people's perceptions can influence their behaviors and the methods she uses to try and understand people's perceptions related to how hot they feel. We begin our interview with Kirsten explaining what is happening to the body when someone is recreating out in extreme heat.
1: The big thing is when people are exercising, they're sweating, and in the desert, your sweat evaporates. That's why you get salty after doing a big exercise. And you don't realize how much water you're losing. And so you can get dehydrated really easily is is probably the most common thing we'll see. The other thing is if you are overheating, your body begins to break down, actually at the cell level. Your, your cells cannot tolerate the heat, and they begin to die.
0: Cells are beginning to die is the biggest thing. What kind of temperatures do these responses, you know, dehydration and then the cell dying, which I'm assuming is kind of like a heat stroke response, when does that kind of start happening? It varies by person. There's not a single temperature where all bodies respond the
1: same. Everybody's different, just shapes and sizes, what we've experienced growing up, what we're accustomed to. So I can't give a single number for someone from, say, Florida. That number could be higher. Say someone from Alaska, that number could be much lower. It's really what your body is capable of. What we don't know is where those thresholds are for different
0: people. How deadly can heat be for people? Very deadly. Very deadly.
1: Extreme heat events or heat waves are a little bit different than just a general extreme heat. However, we talk about them interchangeably. The biggest thing about them, though, is that they're the deadliest Weather-related hazard in the U.S. The National Weather Service has uh, statistics on this that they put out yearly, and they they talk about different weather-related hazards on the 30-year average, the 10-year average, and for that last year that they're doing these statistics. And heat for 2016 statistics and 2017s on the 30-year average killed the most people. And then on the 10-year average, and then in 2016 and 2017, it was the second deadliest hazard Heat doesn't get the same recognition as being so deadly because it's just not a visual hazard. It's called a silent killer because of this. It doesn't have the same visual effect that a flood or a hurricane or tornado might, but it's very deadly.
0: Who is impacted by high heat? For whom is high heat a silent killer? Heat
1: can kill anyone while some are more likely to be hurt say the elderly the young those with other health conditions anyone really can be affected by it even myself I'm a healthy mid-20 year old but I not that I have felt the effects but I know that I can be affected by it if I'm put into an extreme
0: condition and I'm not taking care of myself how do people perceive heat when they're out in it
1: everyone experiences heat differently this idea of a thermal perception what we're perceiving the current conditions to be is going to vary based on everyone's experience in life i talked about the floridian and the alaskan that their experiences in the heat is going to be different compared to each other and they're going to range around the world how we experience our conditions so then i can say that everyone is going to experience heat and the
0: conditions differently. How do people perceive their risk for being impacted by heat and being too hot? We
1: don't really know yet and that's one of the things this study is trying to break into is how are people perceiving the risks
0: related to being in extreme heat conditions. Is this something that has just not been studied or is perception especially difficult thing to study why don't why do why don't we know the answer to this yet
1: there's two things that i think contribute to why we haven't studied this further perceptions are hard to study in the first place and two perceptions relating to heat or even perceptions relating to other Hazards, natural hazards, weather hazards are just beginning to be looked at. Really, it's not something that's been at the forefront. We've looked at a lot of vulnerability based on physical vulnerability. Where are you in relation to an area that could be affected by fires or floods? We've looked at social vulnerability to income and where you might be within a city that could be affected and how that could affect your social vulnerability and so now we're beginning to realize that how people perceive their vulnerability to a specific hazard could really impact how they protect themselves and adapt before a hazard so protect before or try to adapt in the face of a hazard
0: yeah, explain more. Why does it matter? Why do we need to understand people's perceptions and risks associated with heat and heat waves?
1: Perceptions are understood to impact behaviors. There's a lot of behavioral models out there that look at why people might take a specific action. And in every model there, there's this idea that perceptions will play a role. Sometimes it's a bigger role. Sometimes it's a smaller role. Different models have different ideas about this and theories about why it will change and impact the modeling and the behavior thus differently. But in the end, across all those models, we know that perceptions are playing a role. And so one thing we're, as a general academic whole, we're figuring out where perceptions lie in
0: that model and how big
1: a role they might play.
0: And specifically then the role of uh, perception, the risk of perception with heat, the idea is then it would change how people behave in in heat events? Right. So
1: specifically here in Moab, tourists coming in, and they probably haven't been a exposed to these conditions too often, how might they react to this extreme and extremely warm environment? How might they protect themselves? How are they perceiving
0: this this environment? Yeah, expand on that. Why is this especially an important thing to understand here in the Moab area? Here in
1: Moab and even just southern Utah, there's been this tourism push, the Mighty Five, to go visit the national parks and bring in more tourism to Utah. And Arches has seen a huge increase in the number of visitors that come in to the park every year. And so there's more and more tourists coming to the park, more people experiencing this extreme environment, which has its beauty but
0: also its risks associated with it. And so tell me how you've been studying people's perception of heat here around Moab.
1: Last summer, I conducted an intercept survey of participants or visitors at both Delicate Arch Trailhead and Corona Arch Trailhead. And questions on this survey try to dive into how they might be perceiving the risk of the heat to their health and to the health of others on the trail and how worried they might be about that risk to their health
0: and the heat. So what, what do you mean by an intercept survey?
1: I get to be that wonderful person that stops you before you start hiking and say, Hi, I'm a graduate student. Would you like to take my survey? As an incentive, as part of this, I would ask participants if they were willing to take it, of course. Uh, I'm lucky enough that I did not need personal data, so that helps uh, incentivize people to take the survey. And additionally, I offered a travel size tube of sunscreen if they took the survey. And some people really needed the sunscreen, so it actually paid off.
0: So what kind of questions were you asking?
1: The first question was just about where are you from, just what city are you from, what country might you be from, Um, things like how long have you been in this area. Then I asked things like what do you think the current temperature is right now, things that relate to this idea of a thermal sensation, how are you feeling in this environment, are you cold, are you warm. How do you find this environment? Acceptable? Uncomfortable? Or Comfortable? And how does this environment compare to where you're from? So, do you feel warmer here? Or is this colder here? Things like that help us get at what the participant might be feeling in this environment. Then the questions got into the meat of the project. What is the risk perception of this participant? We wanted to explain what a heat wave is, so that participants can think about how it might affect them. So how likely do you think you will be affected by a heat wave if a heat wave were to occur here? Or how likely are you to be affected or uh, harmed if a heat wave were to occur in your local area? And then we also asked how it might affect those around them so in the case of here others on the trail and in the case of their local area others in their community and then the the third question of this is just how worried are you about the effects of heat on again your health and the health of others in your community or the health of others on the trail so it breaks down to these three questions with two sub-questions each. So a total of six questions are really trying to encompass this idea of a risk perception. And participants answered this question on a scale of 0 to a hundred, zero being they're not worried, they don't think any harm is likely, and 100 being extreme likelihood of harm or extremely worried.
0: Extremely worried about? About the effects of heat on their health. And you said you did this all at the trailhead, not during the hike. Right. I just sat at the beginning. We chose out and back trails when we were deciding
1: what trail to do. We had originally wanted to see what participants' risk perception was before the hike and then after the hike. We realized early on that it would be very hard to keep track of participants as they're coming off the trail. So I stood at the the trailhead and just asked to ask, talk to people as they were headed out on their hike. And many times I talked to them afterwards, mostly in a, did you enjoy the hike? Much more of a, almost a tourist guide mannerism. What
0: kind of things did
1: you find in your data? So the biggest thing we found in that thermal perception question, what do you think the current temperature is right now, is that, people are able to fairly accurately guess the temperature. We did notice, however, that when the temperatures are lower around at 20 degrees Celsius or roughly 75 degrees Fahrenheit, people are overestimating the temperature. The There's a switch that happens at about 35 degrees Celsius or 95 degrees Fahrenheit comparatively. And then... On, as the temperature gets higher, people begin to underestimate the temperature. So this is based on a model of what we received as temperature guesses. But at 120 degrees Fahrenheit or 50 degrees Celsius, we're seeing that participants would be severely underestimating the temperature. So people are pretty good at guessing what the temperature is, but we, since they're underestimating the temperature when it's hotter
0: out, people aren't realizing how extreme the conditions are. What did you find people's perception of the risk of heat is? So none of the variables we used or surveyed for
1: were able to predict a person's risk perception. This just still dives into we're learning more about how to predict perceptions. There's no perfect way to do it yet. But none of the variables did. And it's important to note then that temperature was one of my variables and temperature was not able to predict risk perceptions. So this ties back to those thermal perceptions. Even though people are able to see that and recognize that it's getting hotter out, their risk perceptions are not increasing with the increase in heat. So we did find that risk perceptions had an effect on the two behaviors that we asked about one that people who had a higher risk perception were two times more likely to look at the weather or check the weather for the day and we also found origin was able to predict that utahns were the least likely to carry more than one liter of water
0: what were some of the other variables that you were in, that you were assuming would help explain people's risk perceptions? The one
1: I am a geographer at heart and the one that I was really h- hoping and hypothesizing would affect it, it is where people are from, their origin essentially. And it really did not affect risk perceptions or thermal perceptions, which I thought it even more strongly would affect.
0: Did you notice any other kind of demographic trends within the data that you did see? We do know that non-whites have this higher risk
1: perception to hazards or national events. It showed up in my results, and it's um, shown up in my advisor's results and other results,
0: again, relating to other natural hazards. So you didn't see any predictors within... The variables that you measured that would indicate people who would be more likely to associate high temperatures with being risky. Now that you've done this research, do you have other hypotheses or other questions that you would have liked to have asked that you now think might be able to predict people's perception of of the risks associated with heat?
1: That's actually a really good question. I haven't thought about how I would reconstruct this survey. I think I put a lot of thought into this first draft of it, and we we did a mini pilot survey of it. We felt really confident with how things were phrased. I think it would need some more variables on it or take off some variables, replace questions to get at new variables that we think could influence perceptions I'm
0: not sure what those variables are yet, though. And so, what does this? What do these kind of perceptions related to heat and heat, and the idea of heat being this silent killer? How does that play with the fact that the climate is changing and places are experiencing more extreme weather, including extreme heat events? One of the reasons heat, heat waves, extreme heat is really
1: coming up more and more now is we're based on various climate models we expect to see an increase in the severity and the frequency of heat waves extreme heat events we expect in the next 80 years to see an increase of potentially 30,000 more deaths related to heat We also expect to see more areas affected by heat, specifically further north, um, northern latitudes and even southern latitudes going beyond the tropical latitudes that will experience these extreme heat conditions. And in the past, these places have not needed to be prepared for extreme heat conditions. Um, Chicago had a horrible heat wave in 95 that killed a lot of people and i think from then northern cities may recognize that they have to be prepared for extreme heat events to happen more frequently
0: are you interacting with any management agencies or even um medical groups here in our area to, to talk about and show them the data on, on people's perception of the risks associated with heat?
1: I am meeting next week with the Park Service, BLM and medical services to present this to them. And one of the things that I want to receive as feedback is how this information would be used. I recognize that this information is important and insightful but I am truly lacking the, the part that would begin to implement this information and how would this information get used by these entities where I was sur- surveying people. I am excited to meet with them because I've been excited to get this feedback as well. Just where does this go next? If I was in a PhD program, I think their feedback would be the pivot point of how I might continue this research.
0: What got you interested in studying heat and people's perception with heat and asking these questions?
1: I'm a geographer by trade, and one of the things that I studied in undergrad were people's perceptions to, is something really specific to an area in Kenya, but their ideas around a specific object or place and why those perceptions might vary. And one of the first questions I asked was maybe their distance from that place that we were interested in could affect their perception. So that was the first thing that got me interested in perceptions and space in that way. When I started my master's program, my advisor had just really come out with these heat risk perceptions. And so to run with that idea then of how do people perceive heat and the risk of heat really just fit with some of the interests I had had previously. I hadn't maybe been as interested in heat until I got to grad school, but it was an easy transition to get into.
0: And what do you enjoy about being a scientist? I really like deconstructing a question and
1: how to answer a question that can't just be looked up in a book the idea of these perceptions well how do we measure perceptions and how then do we see if perceptions will impact something like behaviors as a geographer i really enjoy looking at relations through space and how things come together across distances Even though I've done scientific work and I've definitely acted as a scientist, I don't know how much I identify as a scientist. I think because I identify first as this geographer, and that just stems from my background, my experience in undergrad. And so being a a geographer, I think being a scientist is just encompassed in that part, Um, deconstructing a question Seeing how things relate across space, those to me are what excite me about my work.
0: Well, Kirsten, thank you so much for this wonderful interview. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. To listen to this interview with Kirsten Goldstein again or any of our past shows, visit sciencemoab.org, iTunes, or Stitcher. The music is by Jeremy Spaulding. Funding is provided by the BYU Charles Red Center for Western Studies, and the show is produced by Christina Young, Peggy Hodgkins, and KZMU.